Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gymea Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Roxanne Lawler, Associate Pastor. Thanks for joining us. Every parent has heard their child complain, it's not fair, at some point. Fairness seems to be something we're all concerned about, and even more so when we think we're being treated unfairly or when we see others get more than we think they might deserve. Well, hello and welcome to church, wherever you are. It is great to have you joining us this Sunday. I wish that I could be there in person, but unfortunately, my family and I have been in isolation all week due to COVID, which explains my unusual surroundings. When you are isolating with three young boys, you find the quiet spaces wherever you can get them. But as was said earlier in our service, we are continuing in our series, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, where we have been diving into the parables of Jesus found in Matthew's gospel, seeking to discern, seeking to discover what he is trying to teach us about the kingdom of heaven, as well as the king who reigns over all of it. And today we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 20, looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Now we've talked about parables a number of times throughout this series. We've talked about the purpose of a parable. These are not stories just for story's sake. These are not just simple little anecdotes that Jesus is throwing out to pass the time. But a parable provides for us an invitation to step into the story, to place ourselves within the shoes of the characters within the narrative, to give us a greater, a deeper, a broader perspective of the circumstance, the situation that Jesus is speaking into. And in so doing, in stepping into the story, it gives us a deeper understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like. When we stay on the outside, when we seek only that 30,000 foot view of a parable, we miss out on so much of what Jesus is trying to share with us. And the parable of the workers in the vineyard is a perfect example of that. It is a perfect example of why we need to step into the story and not just stand back and take it at face value. Because looking in from the outside, we could very easily take the meaning of this parable to speak to the relationship between grace and work. Here we have a number of different workers employed at different times during the day meaning that they have done different amounts of work, that they have worked for different amounts of time. And yet at the end of the day, the landowner comes and pays them all equally. It echoes the teachings of Paul found in Ephesians 2, where he speaks about that faith is is by grace, not by work, that we don't earn it. We can't boast about it, but it is due to the the beautiful, immeasurable grace and love of God that we are able to receive. Because the workers receive equal pay regardless of the work that they have completed. 
and we all receive equal grace, regardless of how long we've been a Christian, the type of faith that we live out, the type of ministry that we're a part of. It would be very easy to look at this parable, take that meaning and walk away. But we actually need to consider what Matthew is trying to say here, why he has included this parable. And what's interesting is that that kind of reading of the parable, this dichotomy of grace and work, doesn't really align with the theological perspective that Matthew explores. Grace, in fact, is a word never mentioned within Matthew's gospel. And so to to assume that that is what he's trying to say on this one occasion is probably to be stepping outside of the parable and missing a deeper meaning. And there is, in fact, more to this story, more for us to consider, and we need to be willing to place ourselves within the parable in order to understand it. In fact, we need to be placing ourselves into the shoes of the workers who were hired first and paid last. Because it raises a different dichotomy, not one of grace and work, but from the perspective of those workers, those workers who grumbled because they received the same payment for more work, it's in that space when we step into those shoes that we see an interesting dichotomy raised between generosity and fairness. Now, fairness is one of those things that have been ingrained in us from the very beginning. As children, we are told to be fair, to be advocates of fairness, to be agents of what is fair. It's just instilled in us from such a young age. It is one of those core values that every parent tries to implant in their children. And we feel it so extremely, so deeply. I see it in my two oldest boys. Like many families, the hot commodity is the iPad. And should one be able to get onto their iPad before the other, there is uproar about the fairness. He got more time than me. This is unfair. And I mean, we're talking 30 seconds difference. Fairness is something that is so ingrained in us. It's considered of great value, something that we should all strive for, that we should all be emulating. Fairness is something so important to us as people that we associate it, we tie it to things like justice and equality. And therefore, it seems to be something that should be ingrained in the character of God, that it should be something that we should see reflected in the way that God conducts himself. And yet here we are, with workers who are ultimately grumbling about fairness. They are saying that what has occurred here, the payment for the work completed, is unfair. Now, Jesus includes aspects within this parable that might make it seem fairer to us. It starts in verse 13 to 15. 
where after these workers have grumbled, the landowner responds. He responds with, well, isn't this the payment that we agreed on? Isn't this amount that we agreed on? And and aren't I free to do with my money what I see fit? And ultimately what this is speaking to is that this exchange, this transaction, this employment contract is a just one. The landowner has paid what was due, what was agreed upon. There is justice that has occurred here. And so that adds to our perspective, our understanding of what is fair. But also, what if we considered the experience of the workers who were employed last? Now, too easily, we would be able to say, oh, maybe they got up late. Maybe they just had a late breakfast, a leisurely brunch, that they were being lazy, that they weren't actually seeking out work. But the truth of the matter is, is that for those individuals, they would have been up at the crack of dawn, same as everyone else. They would have gotten ready, gone out into the streets, stood on the corners and sought out employment. The reality is, is that they have waited throughout the day, waiting for someone to hire them. And as they waited, their anxiety would have increased because with each passing moment, they realized that they probably weren't going to get paid that day meaning there probably wasn't going to be food on the table. They weren't going to be able to provide for their household. Well, that helps us kind of go, oh, well, maybe this is a little bit more fair. But the reality is these are all human notions, human notions of fairness that help us understand and characterize, categorize generosity for us. We believe that there is a certain criteria of fairness that needs to be met in order to justify generosity. And that's the way fairness works in our world. In our minds, it's all about reestablishing balance. For humans, fairness is also just a nice way of saying envy of saying that I expect more, that I have a feeling of being owed, that something is due to me. And we balance generosity and fairness accordingly, based on what we believed is owed, based on what we believe someone is due. It is fair to be generous to someone whose circumstance put them at a disadvantage someone who was born into incredible poverty, regardless of of what that might look like, of, of how that might have come about. It is fair to rain generosity down on that person. But don't we all have that moment of hesitation for the person who had balance, whose circumstances gave them something, and yet their choices meant that they lost it. Their circumstances were created due to their own actions. Someone, let's say, struggling with addiction or who gambles, who had balance but then has gone without because of their own choices. Mm, Sometimes we have that 
that internal thought that says, well, it's not fair to be generous to them. They had it already. We should be generous to the person who didn't have a choice. And all of this is a human understanding of what is fair and how that fairness informs our generosity. But when it comes to the divine, when it comes to God, when it comes to this landowner, it seems that generosity and fairness do not contradict each other. In fact, they do not even balance each other out. And as we step into this parable, as we watch the interaction of the landowner, as he generously pays out a denarius for each and every single worker, regardless of the amount of time that they have worked, our minds are being teased, teased towards a possibility of a new awareness. The air carries forward the tantalizing scent of a fragrance of grace that is perplexing. We encounter here a different calculus, one in which being entirely fair and lavishly generous flow together in an unbroken whole. And that is the way that God acts. He refuses to play fairness and generosity against each other the way we so often do. Because the reality is that nothing that God has done for us meets the human idea of fair. Because we are not the person who had no choice in our circumstance who requires generosity because we've just found ourselves in a situation beyond our ability. We are not the helpless story here who needs generosity to bring balance back to what is fair. No, we are the rebellious one. We are the one whose choices have put us in a situation of disadvantage whose actions and opinions and choices have actually led an imbalance, have actually led us to need another's generosity, has led us to need a lavishing of grace. It reminds me of that tale of the prodigal son, another parable that Jesus shares. We are the son who made actions that walked away from the father, that rejected the father, that spoke of what we believe is owed to us. And then left with nothing, we too have had to come back to the father, the landowner, our God, the king of heaven, and ask for something that we do not deserve, that is not owed to us, that we have not earned, and yet God sees as completely fair to lavish generosity onto us. There is a great tension, a great challenge here for us to consider that God is far more fair, far more generous than we could ever understand, that we could ever comprehend. 
that our human understanding of what is fair and how that determines how much generosity someone should receive is actually so limited and God works beyond it, lavishing grace, generously giving and deeming it all as fair, all as just, all as good. It tells us something so incredible about the love of our God, the landowner who gives generously and fairly to all. But there is also one other invitation within this parable. If we have truly stepped into the story, if we have truly put ourselves in someone's shoes within this parable, then there is more to learn. Because I believe if we're going to step into anyone's shoes, the person who we should step into is the worker at the back of the line, the one who was hired first and paid last, the one who is grumbling about fairness, the one who believes that they are owed more, the one who sees generosity poured out in others' lives and kind of raises an eyebrow. Note that Jesus could have easily told this parable differently. He could have told it with those hired first being paid first, avoiding the conflict altogether. But Jesus didn't tell the parable that way because for those who were hired first, who had to wait at the back of the line, there is something more to see. Now, the phrase, are you envious because I am generous, that the landowner says in response to those grumbling workers, is translated in the King James Version as, is your eye evil? One of the challenges within this parable is not the problem of the owner's generosity, but is it is one of our own eyesight, our angle of vision, because there is another way of looking at things that this parable exposes. And I think it's where we see the goodness of God, where we can witness this fair outpouring of lavish generosity that God gives to all people. And what this parable is challenging us to consider is where we see that the most. And I believe from the perspective of the back of the line, it is made most clearly in the lives of others. Quite simply, because they are other than us. Standing in the back of the line actually offers us perspective. We can sometimes be too close to ourselves, too wrapped up in our own skins, too enthralled by our own story, too bundled in our own terrible needs to see truly what God is giving us, the generosity that he pours into us. 
what God gives us in his goodness and his generosity, we are likely to assume is our own due, something that we have earned, a goodness that we have fabricated for ourselves, that this is the result of my own planning, my own perspective, my own choices. This is just life happening. This is just the way things work for me. And when it comes to generosity, when it comes to the incredible outpouring of what God gives to each and every one of us, we see other people more clearly than we see ourselves. And when we see God's goodness in others, in the people we love, our friends, our family, our colleagues, but especially those who we might not believe deserve such generosity. It's in those people, in those experiences, in those lives that we see the goodness of God for the wondrous miracle that it is. If we can look at this world through the parable of the workers in the vineyard, we will discover the vast truth of the master's generosity. All of us are beloved by God. The first and the last, those at the front of the line and those at the back. And when we put ourselves last, When we take ourselves to the back of the line, what we are actually opening up is a greater perspective, a greater vantage point, a greater opportunity to look at the lives of those around us and see the incredible work of God, to see his plans and his purposes, his generosity justly given to all people. We can see the miracle of it. We can see who he is and the work that he does. But also, from the back of the line, we get a better perspective of ourselves. That internal voice that sometimes whispers, This isn't fair. I deserve more. God should give me more. And in that moment, from that position of the back of the line, we remember that we receive exactly what we need in order to know our God, to know his kingdom, and to step into it as a follower of Jesus. So as we enter into the parable of the workers in the vineyard, We pray that you will see God as the generous, abundant giver. He gives more than we need or deserve and that you might recognise his work and provision in your life. We pray that God used this message to draw you closer to him, to increase your faith and to make you more like Jesus. God bless you today.